0: Episode eight is all about revelations. Revelations about all of our characters, whether they're in the kingdom or in the Republic, they've all come to a specific spot in their uncoverings, whether they're already in the know about parallel universe or whether they're hot on the trail. So as it relates to our kingdom folk, primarily focuses on Luna who at the beginning of the episode she is out of jail and she's confronted by Pete and Cool who rightfully so should not associate her with anything except what she saw the other night except this can't really be true because this person is a hardened criminal who has spent some time in jail and therefore how does she go from having that type of an attitude? The type of you know um, showered effect that she had with the king when she introduced herself to um, her just a couple of nights ago, and it's really interesting about time and how it works in this particular drama because I don't know if it's only been you know a day or <laughs> if it's been a number of days. But judging by son, his wife has said several times, at least on this episode, it would seem, it would be only, in the beginning of the episode, he's got places with him and stuff, because he wants to, I suppose, explore, I'm not really all call sure, but, so yes, I had to get him separated, um, right hand man, Joe. Noticing that his everything about him is different. But again, like PM Cool, rightfully so, should not be making a deduction that's a parallel universe. On one hand, they've sold me, like I don't even have to be sold on a fantasy uh, trope because or a fantasy theme because I'm readily waiting for a storyteller to take me to do something, with let's do something, and so I'm okay with the whole alternate reality and all that stuff, but as a viewer, these actors and actresses are tasked with making us believe it, and so are the writers, but when I say that these people are rightfully so not making these connections, it's because they shouldn't if you saw my doppelganger on the street, you should not be saying to yourself, oh my God, there's an Saddam over in the kingdom of the United States. like That is not where your mind should go first, except there are different actors and actresses who are way more believable in enabling you to go along for the life. Some people like Nadi, although I like her name, I'm all the right. way wherever you're going, baby, I'm going because I believe everything I need, except I will try to do it too when I don't believe at the end of this episode but she's making every deduction you're supposed to make with her versus Joe because Joe is not the guy that's goofy, thumb to thumb who you know, can't turn this switch off. He is every can never even dream of being. Including noticeable enough for Naughty to roll up on him and be like, Boy, okay, come and get some Chop J later and quit playing with me and when you get through playing, don't play with me later either because you look so good now. I halfway like you before when you goofy, but now I really I like you now. And is dead. He is vehemently in love with Naughty. But because he's so goofy and awkward, he's never going to be able to just say Joe, why, yo, to her. But she's not anybody's fool. So she can tell his little ways are because he likes her. Mm -mm. She likes Joe, baby. She initiating all of that shit. And. Is it a ship I can sell? Because while I'm watching this drama and when I watch any genre with an R in the tag for romance, no matter what other stuff they try to smuggle in, um, I feel like if you have romance in your drama, romance should be leading the way. I know. I am just such a... uh, I don't know, but... I need for my drama if the romance is in the tag and our male and our female lead are the stars of the show you how do you not allow the romance to lead the way with that and then when Uduwan is your he's not a supporting cast he's he's ticketed he's billed as a main cast okay so when he is a main cast and It's looking like y'all trying to give him some tan, you know, a a B love story. I'm going to need you guys to um, deliver. Now, y'all know that is my favorite word when it comes to a romance. I really could care less about everything else in the the damn story. Write the romance well and it'll carry the way for everything else because we don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to speak to everybody. I don't care about anything else. And Unsup so is subbing in for, you know, the right-hand man, Joe. You know, he finds himself in a pickle. And this is the, the starkest descriptor that shows how different these two are as the altars of each other. Because seven folks skip out of this restaurant that the king has been doing his damnedest to get in there and eat some of this damn stew he's hurts raving reviews about but they're enemies of the king because earlier in the drama they had you know a run-in and right-hand man joe dealt with them but unfortunately the king is not with right-hand man joe he's within some who is a complete coward and he runs away and hides behind the corner baby so these this is the starkest difference between them other than the other obvious things he is a complete coward and left the king high and dry which is very weird because he's a cop and none of this criticism makes me like Uduan any less because I love him even though he's a scary little punk in this but I just think that how are you a cop and you ran away from the fight you're supposed to run into it so the product placement is tie level on this drama (laughs) It is so hamfisted, and it doesn't bother me the way it probably bothered me the first time around with this drama, because nobody does cringe product placement like Thailand. So I, it doesn't bother me as much as it should, because Thailand has they win the product placement awards because they they are so over the top with it that every other country that does it. It's almost a little bit of comic relief because it's just not a big deal because Thai, Thailand has the uh, the gold medal on that. So our torture, I like to call him our my forlorn, uh, cop partner or the tortured cop, you know, the guy who is madly in love with our tale but is not really, you know, ever gonna confess it. But even beyond that, he's just tortured. So he's not an orphan, but he's a spiritual orphan orphan. because his mom, she's a gambler and she always getting locked up for getting caught doing it. His dad is in jail for the various purposes. And the only thing that I could think of while I was watching him sit across from his mom while he's tearfully begging her to stop gambling is that man it's so interesting how the world operates because even if you are in the United States from state to state there are different laws one thing may land you in the clinker in one state that wouldn't in another and I just think to myself it's really sad that our forlorn cop friend has to have uh, such a uh, has to have a mom who has such a a tortured existence, because if she would only get on a plane and come to the United States or somewhere I'm sure much closer to her in the world, she wouldn't even be looked at as a no good criminal who goes to jail every other day because she has a gambling problem. She would be right at home with a bunch of old ladies who pull slots every morning, you know, on the weekdays here and it's just like you know it's it's just so interesting how if she was in a different country not even another universe alternate reality but just a different country she could gamble her harder way and she wouldn't have to go to jail for it i guess that's what i'm trying to say so his whole problem is non-existent somewhere else when the king finally you know is rescued by his right-hand man joe because although the one you know Unsup runs away and hides behind the corner. Joe's never really actually, he never allows himself to disappear too long. He understands his job. His job is to keep the king alive. So when somebody, you know, does one of those fly kicks through the air and like decimates all seven of the gang members that were trying to kill the king or beat him up, he comes in and he makes short order of them. So they get into the restaurant and King is sitting there, and he's got his bowl and the he don't have his bowl all I'm like he's got his cup that the waitress is filling up, and um, the owner that's at the cashier he's barking orders, telling her, "Baby, go clean that table up over there. Why are you handing out? Why, why are you giving good customer service? Stop giving good customer service to clean table three up." And she scurries off because you got to. And the king looks up and he's like, You know what? We got, I'm just not going to get a bowl of soup today, huh? I guess I just don't get to have no soup today. And right hand man Joe is looking like, What's the problem now? Damn, I just had to beat up eight people. I'm sitting down, I'm tired, I'm thirsty, and I worked up an appetite, and we can't get no soup. He's like, Man, the guy at the fucking register who's the owner he recognizes me. What I find a a really nice twist, not even a twist, but a feature of kingdomites is that woven into the fabric of their behavior is so deeply ingrained to acknowledge and bow before the king that before this guy who's a kingdom altar living over in the republic before he he can't even catch it's one of those things that you know how you do something that's so instinctual to your personality that you can't even catch yourself doing it you just do it first and then think about catching yourself well this is what this guy does he's at the register and when he looks up and the king is staring at him he pay high and he can't even He doesn't even have an opportunity to stop, drop, and roll before he starts paying obeisance. And so the king, he grabs his little doohickey on the table and he's like, damn, we got to get up out of here. So Joe has to get up, kick another ass so that he is able to corner this guy and interrogate him. And the king is like, I'll be damned if you're not over here and the guy's like you know he hands him his phone actually he has his burner phone taken from him which as his evil uncle's you know one of his calling cards no pun intended is to leave his you know proposition the altar with a burner phone so that he can contact the altar and have him do his little dirty work because the king's Oh, evil little brother is not just some kind of philanthropist who has decided to, you know, merc his brother and go over to the king to the uh, Republic and do, you know, charity work for the rest of his life. When he propositions people to cross over into the other universe, they are his bitches for the rest of their life. Okay. So it's not like, oh, you get to cross over and that's it. See you. Have a great life and bless your life. No. He gives them a phone so that he can keep his tentacles around their freaking neck for the rest of their lives. And because of what they did, he has them on the hook forever because they're a murderer. Not only in the damn republic, but in the damn kingdom. You damn show a murderer. And not only that, but you've also committed treason because you don't get to leave the kingdom. Except in a box when you live in a damn, you know, dynasty or something. You can't leave. You cannot leave the country. Okay? The king can't even leave the palace. So, I'm trying to figure out how does this work. You can't leave the country, but the king can't even leave his damn house. So, anyway. So, he's committed treason all over the place. He is just 360 degrees of treason. The guy knows it. Everybody knows it. The guy's begging the king, kill me please kill will you please please kill me because my fate is way worse than what y'all doing to me in this alley beating me up and trying to you know bleed me for information like look yes yes yep all of your suspicions are true now will you please kill me because it'll be a favor you're doing me and the king's looking at him like i am not in the business of doing you any favors okay and uh but I'm going to go ahead and need you to uh, go ahead and kill yourself. You, you've got a suicide order. And so, you know, that damn scene ends. And uh, hopefully he killed himself because if he didn't, he's in a whole lot of trouble. But as the king deduced, as he saw that his phone his little burner phone didn't have not one contact in it because you don't need no damn contacts when the contact the only contact you need is gonna call you i'll call you so the king realizes that you know this guy is done because you already committed treason and all that stuff i've got what i need to get out of you so yes take your cell phone out but he comments to his right hand man that oh well I guess I'm going to have to go ahead and wait because I got one good phone call coming my way because as long as Evil Unc doesn't know this guy is dead, which why would he know because Evil Unc is not exactly yo, BFF, you know, the whole time until he needs a favor. No, he is too damn busy wheeling and dealing in both universes and certainly does not have time for some lowly restaurant owner, you know, who is so beneath him you know on the royalty totem pole that you know only when he needs him to get busy does he ever call him so his well-being is probably the last thing on Unk's list so P.M. Cool's mom works at a stall she's a stall owner she sells fresh fish which I'm sure they went over in episodes one through three but um P.M. Cool is like a um I don't even know what the word is to call her but you know I understand if your mom is jank and you decide oh, okay I'm good with you when when I make it I'm gonna forget that you yeah existed because you abused me or whatever it is that your mom did this mom is very genteel okay she's got a look about her like she needs to be protected at all costs PM cool is rich okay but mom is working in the stall. So I'm not sure what, why the daughter is allowing her mom to have to lift a finger for the rest of her life. And you can tell that PM Koo is, um, ashamed of her background as well. So, you know, she talks to her mom from her luxurious, you know, palace grade office and home while her mom's sitting outside, you know, a stall layered up selling fish. So cool is just yeah, cool. She ain't shit all the way around. But her mom is very intelligent. And she sees a lot of faces every day in her profession. And so she's not gonna forget people that she sees, especially since evil uncle has visited this stall and he's probably visited this stall for good reason and that's because Ku is an alter who is a really big deal on the other side and so unk he's always going to make some connections to the to the right folks and the mom is there and you know he's probably you know positioning her as a pawn to be used in another one of his schemes but he purposely leaves his umbrella there because he wants to continue to come back. He, You know, he wants to, you know, just like that person that comes over your house and they leave something there just so they have an excuse to come back. Baby, do not leave nothing here. You don't need to leave nothing behind. Take everything with you when you leave. Got it? And so he comes back for his umbrella and he tells the mom, oh, I forgot my umbrella. And I mean... He can't be any creepier and mysteriouser. You know, it's like, baby, if you're trying to creep around the Republic and your ass is, you know, the little brother of the king you killed, you can't act all mysterious. You know, he's walking around like the boogeyman. It's like, dude, you got to change it up. You got to get a little bit lighter. You know, get different haircut. Do something where you're not so. It's like evil uncle is so rememberable that even if Kool's mom was not super intelligent enough to go back in her history book and find his ass on page 19 in the royal fucking photo from 25 years ago even if she was not smart enough to do that he has such a mysterious aura about him that he makes a person remember him and then investigate him and then figure out exactly what the hell it is that he is doing So there is some pettiness, and I have to point out the petty because I'm doing this episode at a time, so it helps. But, you know, um, fake, fake out cigarette smoking, I think every drama does this. Um, the only place where they let these people finally have the cigarette is in a movie, and I do not smoke, but these people fake out smoking so much. They make me want to smoke a cigarette for them p.m. p.m. cool is always being um sent this newspaper for the second time she's being sent a newspaper with the headline of a political event in the united states and she's like oh okay so president trump came to the united states remember it's 2019 or it's a headline that trump went to north korea um it's 2019, the middle of his uh, situation, and one day she gets that same paper sent to her again. She's like, okay, uh, this damn headline came out three days ago, and she referenced it references the old one that she has and she's looking through it and she's comparing labels on the you know shipping labels on the package trying to see what's the difference and she rifles through it she sees the headlines she skims through the story until she gets to a page where she sees people sitting at a baseball game and one of them is her altar so she's freaked out by it just like she was in our last episode when the king noticed that time freezes and that weird shit happens whenever someone crosses over. In that situation it was his evil uncle who had crossed over. Remember, very few people know that this world exists. So when someone crosses over, right now, it seems like you would know exactly who it is. Except in this episode, the king is realizing that the problem is so much more pervasive than he thinks it is, because I think that at a certain in a certain way, I think the king thought, Okay, my uncle his jank ass is not dead from 25 years ago. That's a huge fucking problem. I hate having this issue. I want to keep Taylor safe. I don't want anybody else to have to be, you know, underneath his wrath or whatever. But I think he felt like, you know, as, as, as irritating as this problem was, that he could just take Joe. They would go handle it and get back and, you know, live happily ever after. Unfortunately, now that he has seen the restaurant owner over there and various other things that are starting to happen, he is realizing that these two worlds are probably so much more enmeshed and that the problem is just getting so outside of his control that even a king can't manage it. So the forlorn cop is understanding more and more about what's going on around him. Because although he's tortured and always deep in his feelings, he's nobody's fool. And his job as a cop is to take pieces of a puzzle and fit them together. No matter how they fit together, you have to accept the picture that's being developed in front of you. And that's why when he starts to make connections about the kingdom and the republic and these altars, etc., I can go with him. He, he He can take me for a ride and I will allow him to drive the car because he confronts Insup who's so just embarrassingly cringe that he's got right hand man Joe's phone and he's looking at it and he's you know cracking jokes about how oh my god you who takes a picture with their manager you know cuz the king and, and the right hand man are very close so his screensaver is him and the king and he's making fun of that but then you know tortured cop rolls up behind him and he sees that and he's like give me that phone and insop is just such a punk that he has to hand it over like he he just does not have the equipment emotionally to to be able to uh, resist like he can't say no to him so he gives him the phone and forces him to take him to the hotel where he made reservations under his name and so made reservations for the king and right hand man joe so that they would be able to have accommodation while they're here in the republic And as he confronts the king and they face off with one another, secretary, or not secretary, but right hand man Joe with a gun to tortured cop's temple, and tortured cop uh, with his, you know, holding the king by the collar, he starts to make some connections about this little boy that he can remember. And it's a little bit more ambiguous than I wish it was. It, it, at first glance, it looks, I could be wrong, but it would seem to me like that in the Republic, that something happened to make Igon our king, an orphan okay he's like eight nine whatever old he was back then when his dad died when his king father died over in the kingdom seems like something happened to him on this side too or either he was brought over to this side as a young boy and then he went but I don't know what the theory is but all I know is that Tortured cop constantly flashes back to a little boy sitting outside of a shop. You know, those old school shops where they sell televisions and they've got all the TVs on the same station, so they're broadcasting, you know, world news all at the same time. So this little boy, he's sitting on the stoop of this storefront and he's crying. And in another scene, it looks like our tortured cop goes to a grave site. And pays homage to this person. And if I am not mistaken. It's the gravesite of Egon. And he's in the Republic. Because the only person. Other than Te'il. Who does have a damn altar. The only person so far. Who does not have an altar. Is the king. And as I've stated. In a previous episode. If you are not present. In either of the two places. It means you're dead. And it probably means. Somebody killed you. Because unless Evil Unc knows about it, you know, if Evil Unc knows anything about anything, which he definitely does, we know he does. Then he's always going to commission to have that altar killed so that the other person can easily step in that place. And then he can ultimately be the king of their lives and have the control that he so desperately sought after during his brother's reign. Now I'm going to end this episode with my assessment about the romance factor in this drama because it's obvious this drama wants us to hang our hats on the whole sci-fi aspect of this, but they're also selling, they're trying to sell me a romance and I'm not buying it. Even though when it comes to attempting to have tenderness or, you know, share in some intimacy, no matter what that awkward intimacy is, he's definitely holding that torch all by himself. It's almost like he's in a relationship with a blow-up doll. And I'm not saying that Taya doesn't have animation or anything like that. Like, she's not alive. She's very much alive. But even though has to do all of the romance lifting which is surprising to me because the lead actress in this is from the classic drama Goblin. And you would think that you know although Imino is a heartthrob from his head to his toe toes um at first I was willing to concede that oh well he's got so much more romance experience that he can't help be good at it. You know, he's he's he is Good at it. I mean, he's done it too much to not be good at it by now. But she played in Goblin, girl. You know how to be in love with a man. You shall do, and you were much younger doing it then than you are now. So I don't understand what the what the problem is. They don't have any chemistry. Anything that makes me have anything resembling feelings, tender feelings toward this romance aspect, is just because I love Emino. Like, I I came in with baggage that I'm applying to him. No matter what his co-star feeds him, which is next to nothing. When they watch each other or, or communicate with each other, have a conversation, they have this unnatural six feet, you know, social distancing thing going on. That is so unnatural and I guess that when you're shooting a drama you need to be able to see people or whatever and if they too close, you know I don't know but it you can tell they're trying to get a shot they're going for a mood they're going for some you know some photo opportunities or something but they said they are social distanced and now that I'm saying this you know it could be that they are adhering to whatever goofy ass you know stipulations they had at that point but no because other people are getting beat up and folks are hanging on each other and folks are a lot closer to that to each other than that so don't give me the old 2020 thing because no no there are other things going on in this drama that make no sense when it comes to distancing protocols if this is what they want me to believe especially since an episode Five, they kissed each other how much closer does that shit get does that is that that's not social distancing when you kiss i mean i mean really come on y'all so in this scene you know where they hook back up after a long time you know half the episode apart he rolls up on her and you know the camera slows down we can see her hair glistening in the sun or what have you and she's happy to see him but he stops six feet away from her they don't close the distance and hug like normal people so he's staring at her she's staring at him they're going back and forth king always wants to give her a smile show him show her all 32 of his teeth and he does that every single time and you know, they're going through that little rigmarole, and he's talking, and she talking, and he talking, and she all of a sudden says, i like, hey. The one line that we're always waiting for. Every drama, I don't give a damn what drama it is, is always foreplay for either Johaya, which is really usually what it is. If you get a sadanghe, they are doing some things. If you get a Joha." If you get Joao and Sarange in the same drama, that drama is trying to kill you. A, but B, it's very rare. Okay, so Joyo is it's got to be yo. I love you for us, us because you typically only get that. Okay, and everything is foreplay leading up to that. Even if if your episode, if your drama is sixteen episodes long, and you give us Joyo. In the last five minutes, everything they did before that was foreplay. Period. Even if they had sex, it was foreplay too. Because what are we girls waiting on? Joelle. That's what we're waiting for. Okay. So she skips over that one, which still is would have been a little too much for me because we know that's synonymous with I love you, but she skips right on over that and go and says Sarang Hey. And I'm thinking to myself, baby. When did you love? When did you show this guy? I didn't even see like. I have not seen like yet. But you love him. While she is telling him this or prior, previous to her telling him this, she goes through this little dirge about life. And I didn't realize I, and I really should say this because I'll never get to say it again, Joao, or something. You know, she's a saranghe. She saranghees him and his reaction. I love it and i wish he could touch her like do these two have a no touch clause and it must have been written after the whole yeah we'll go ahead and kiss you because you eat me knowing we can't not give you a kiss the The country would freaking stone us if we don't kiss you but after that just don't touch me no more like uh-uh, i don't i don't get touched and i don't give a damn what relationship you in outside of a drama first of all if you're in a relationship and you play romantic dramas I mean, are you in a relationship? I'm just saying. But even apart from that, um, don't come over here talking about I'm in a romance if you ain't, if you're not even willing to stand close to him, you're not even willing to stand next to him. This is breaking so many drama sins for me. I understand why I dropped this drama. So, um, his reaction is really good. You know, she's still talking. You know, she's saying all this shit. And then he's like. He has fucking. He is stunned to silence. His words are still suspended in his brain because he's like. okay, I know, but I'm 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 still like, you know, 30 seconds ago when you told me you love me. You know, and she's so smug and emotionless, affectless. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I know I love you. But anyway, so tomorrow when I fold this laundry and and they're talking and, you know, she's about to get in her car because she's a cop. She's so important. Taylor is so important. And I know she's the lead. She's got to put these pieces together. But she's just extremely unwatchable for me. She's about to get in her car. And even though I ain't going to even lie, his his response to her is is very it's because of the claws that he can't touch baby, because he's like me too not all and she's got one foot in the car and she smirks at him and then she leaves and it's like wow did i just what did i just watch a confession with emino? really where the woman told him first. Now, there's some people that's gone strong woman, you know, her to death. For some people, as long as that female lead is strong, they are happy. They don't give a they don't give a hell what she does after that. Just as long as she's a strong female lead, that's all they care about. I guess so, but huh. they should have just left the romance off of this. They are always sitting awkwardly. You know, they go to the coffee shop where Nadi works and she gives them some coffee. The king pays with a fucking gold tortoise. It's so weird. <laughs> he is just like his uncle. It's like, boy, how the hell are you hiding when you pay with the fucking gold shekels? Nobody pays in shekels in the damn republic. So Nadi brings them some coffee and she's like, oh, I can see all the love over here. And I'm like, Naughty girl stop lying you don't even have any chemistry with uh right-hand man joe even though it's obvious you like him so why are you trying to act like there's actually something here when there's nothing here and speaking of right-hand man joe i honestly would rather see not that everything else i said before this was a lie, y'all but for real i would rather see a drama minus tayon or, or keep tayon okay Make her hard and, and affect less. Don't write it into a love story. And just let, let our E, Con, and jo, jo Young. Let them be bromances. Can they be bros? Because they have more chemistry than the king and tear. And you guys know how I am. It, if it were not. For the fact that they went on ahead and got the kids out the way because you know the no touch clause then this episode right here and possibly this entire drama would be worthy of a nice thick drama scene <laughs>